Grab a cup of coffee, a notepad and a pen. Coffee for closers only. It's time to talk marketing. Stick around, pal. I still got a lot to teach you. Each week, we bring you some of the best marketing conversations with entrepreneurs who are outthinking, outperforming, and out-earning their competition. No frills, no fluff. And now your host, Jonathan Taylor. All right, welcome back to the show this week. I'm your host, Jonathan Taylor. This week, we're talking business and marketing with Jason Hairston. And Jason is the founder and CEO of Kuyu, a high-end outdoor apparel company. Jason's going to be talking a little bit about his business, but more importantly, the story that he has to share of really turning a passion of his into a very successful business. Jason's a former NFL player. He played for the 49ers and then spent some time with the Denver Broncos, but retired due to injury and uh, really had to reinvent himself, had to uh, move on with the next stage of his life after the NFL, which is often difficult for a lot of NFL players really trying to find what they're going to do next. But uh, Jason had a real passion for outdoors. He's a hunter, and uh, so he was able to take that love, that passion for the outdoors, decided to put that into a company uh, that does outdoor apparel, Kuyu, and um, fascinating, made $500,000 in sales on the first day, sold out their entire inventory in the first 90 days in business. So uh, Jason's going to be talking about that. He's going to be sharing some lessons with us today, and I am very pleased to have him on the show to uh, talk about his company and uh, talk about some of their products and really share his background and story. Jason, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Jonathan, for having me. I, I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I love stories like this, man. These are fascinating, and, and especially with something that uh, you're creating an outdoor company. And, you know, you've got a background that goes back to the NFL. I tell you, before we begin, maybe give us a little background about yourself prior to launching this company and maybe a little going back to your days in uh, college and, and uh, the NFL. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in in Orange County, California, Southern California, where it would be an unlikely spot for a guy to to be a, a <laughs> into this industry and this business. Right. Um, you know, growing up in the heart heart of OC, I went to college at University of California Davis, for, where I played football as a Division two school at the time when I was playing, and mm. had a was a late developer in football. Had a, a great college career. Was an All American there. Uh, for two years uh, playing linebacker and being a local kid, the Niners picked me up after the draft in 1995, the year after they won their last Super Bowl, yeah. and brought me to camp. And I was the only one of 87 free agents to come through camp that year that ended up making the team. That's I amazing. was playing middle linebacker on on that team, doing some special teams, and would then went through that season on a, on a single-year contract. And then our director of player personnel at the Niners – uh, was hired by the Broncos and convinced myself and my agent that I should be over there. So I, I went to the Broncos in 96 mm-hmm. and I broke my neck in 14 places at camp, which ended my that brings, football career that brings pretty quickly and abruptly. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is. I'm all the average football career is three years. So Absolutely. I right. made it halfway to the average uh, basically. Um, but man, it's a rough way to make a living. And then yeah. looking back, you know, it's 
as much as I would have loved to have had a long football career, I think it's, you know, it was by design to keep myself from injuring my body further and taking away what I truly love, which is spending time in the mountains and now with my, with my family and my kids. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. I was watching, I think it was back during the Super Bowl. I saw a spot they did on Montana, Joe Montana. And, um, a guy mm -hmm. is, um, today, I don't know, he must be in his sixties now, but he has difficulty just doing some of the most basic things with his family. And, um, you got to chalk that up to, you know, he took some, obviously he took a lot of hits over time and that, that catches up with you in your latter years. So, um, it really can, does. And I can feel all the hits and plays that I did in college and my limited NFL experience and time in, in the NFL on my body. And I'm, you know, 40, I'll be 45 next, next month. I can't imagine after a 10 year career, how, how I would have felt. Absolutely. So, so what led you into launching Kuyu? Cause I mean, you're, you're not Orange County guy, like you said, have you always been, had an interest for outdoors or is this something you developed with kind of later in life or was, has this been something since childhood? You were kind of outdoors person. You love to go fishing, hunting. It's a generational thing in our family. Yeah. My dad hunted, he still hunts, is a diehard hunter. His father introduced him, him to hunting, and I'm introducing my son now to hunting. And it's awesome. something that that's what we did as kids. Yep. We did, didn't do the family vacations. We went on hunting trips <laughs> with my dad. And that was my connection. I just took to it. Two other, I have an older brother and then a, a younger half-brother, and they both are introduced to it. I had an instant attraction to it and just loved to go hunting. I loved the adventure. I loved exploring and everything to do with the outdoors, I was just drawn to it at a very, very young age. And when football ended, I really struggled for several years after because your focus is you're in college and people are starting to talk about you've been able to play at the next level. Your focus becomes you know, so narrow and it's everything you right. do is about football and training for football and eating for football and getting through school so you're eligible for football. And when that all comes to an end, I was I went through a period where I was just kind of lost. I got into commercial real estate and was making good money, but just felt like I was missing something in my life, sure. something that I had passion for, something that, that meant something to me in a career. And I read an interesting article about um, a, a gentleman that had built a company doing something he was really passionate about. And he talked about how you truly can't reach your full potential in business unless you do something you love. And because you'll never stop working on it, you'll yeah. never stop perfecting it, you'll never stop thinking about it. It always struck a chord with me, and I just, my love for hunting in the outdoors continued to evolve after football, and I started spending a lot of time doing backpack hunting, getting further away from people, and I liked suffering. I liked the hard hunts. I liked yeah. getting away uh, and further in, and so I started adopting equipment from the outdoor industry because the hunting industry had nothing to offer as far as performance apparel or equipment or gear. And in 2004 was sitting on top of a mountain in Idaho with a college buddy of mine who is an outdoor enthusiast as well. And we we're just talking about how poor the quality was of, of hunting products compared to what you'd find in REI or mountaineering shops right. and came up with the idea to bridge that gap for the hunting industry that we couldn't be the only people that felt this way. I mean, there wasn't performance space layers. There wasn't a, layer, a comprehensive layering system put together by a single company using you know, modern fabrics in the hunting industry. Everything was based on price and, and low quality to right. meet those price restraints that the retailers were putting on, on hunting equipment. And so that was the idea. I mean, the problem was neither of us had any experience in the apparel 
business or how to even get started and hadn't built a brand, hadn't built a company before. So it was a steep learning curve. In 04, we came up with a concept for a brand called Sitka. And um, I dove right into it at a couple of business investments that I sold to fund the business and started it in my garage in 05 and built a sample line and took it out to market in 06 and had no idea what we were doing. (laughs) Introduced this new product category to hunting and it absolutely took off. We had uncovered a, a huge demand for this type of product. We weren't the only ones that wanted it and introduced it it threw a single catalog in 2006 and went in 2007 were in every single major hunting retailer in the United States and Canada. So we had incredible overnight success. With now when did the you, Sitka brand. when did you transition from the Sitka to the Kuyu? Well, Sitka grew incredibly fast yep. in seven and 2008 Gore-Tex approached us in 2008 to license, to become a licensee of Gore-Tex and to help them develop new fabrics and materials specific for hunting market because they had lost their dominance in hunting and wanted to try to recapture it by licensing Sitka, which was the hottest brand in hunting. Right. And then in late 08, they made an investment in our business because we needed money to grow. And then the market crashed shortly after that investment. And our CFO that we hired because of Gore's investment for Gore decided that it was smarter to sell the business to Gore-Tex in the spring of 09 versus grind our way through the poor economic conditions and the restrictions in financing. And so that was done against my wishes and our CFO, my ex-business partner really sold the company out from under me and behind my back. And I was sitting there in June of 09 unemployed, unemployed and just lost a business that, that I built from the ground up from my garage. And my wife worked for the company as well. And all my life savings were tied up in the company and um, kind of happened in a, in, a, in a really quick way when it wow. happened. And it gave me, at the time, what I felt like was the worst thing that has ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it ripped, truly ripped the heart out, my heart out of my chest. I finally figured out what my passion and, and larger meaning for a career was in my life um, to to sitting there in the same garage that I built Sitka out of going, all right, <laughs> what do I do now? Right. And during my time at Sitka, I just became dis- dissatisfied with the retailer's ability to sell high quality and performance apparel. Right. I was having to educate our customers to go in before they bought the product to know what they were buying because right. retailers just couldn't sell it well. And they also restricted it on me on the price points that I could I could sell. So it forced me to walk away from the best fabrics and the best materials that were out there. Mm-hmm. I was having to cut, cut corners to hit price retailers price points they could sell. And I felt like the model, the retail model was really broken because of that. Yeah. So when that all happened, it gave me the chance to really revisit entire business concepts and come up with a way to take these amazing materials that I'd found and couldn't take to market in a product line to do so through Kuyu by eliminating the retailer and selling everything consumer direct online. Yep. And that was the, that's the essence of what allowed me to create Kuyu by having that experience and building Sitka through traditional retail and now building Kuyu without the retailers and doing it direct online, which everybody told me at the time, 
looking at this business model before I launched it. It would never work. I would go out of business before we had enough customers. Right. Yeah, what was the reasoning and, for that? I'm just curious. Well, at the time, how, how is it, so you set up a website and you have this amazing product. How are, you gonna, how are people going to find it? Yeah. Yep. And how are people going to trust you mm-hmm. without touching and feeling and trying on the product? And why would they make a purchase of your product over somebody else's if they've never seen it? Yeah. And if they've never touched it and there's nobody that's talking about it. And that's what I was told up front with the business model. I presented it to some potential investors. And fortunately, I had one guy that um, backed me at Sitka who believed in what I, my vision was for Kuyu and said, I'll back you on this. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Rob, who's still my financial partner of this business. Right. And out of those initial meetings and really out of fear, I started blogging about what I was doing. I didn't know what a blog was. I didn't even know how to set up a blog at the time I started it. Right. But I started a blog post once a week, 18 months before I ever launched the product or the brand. Yep. And about six weeks into the blog process, somebody found it and put it up on a hunting forum and said, hey, the ex-founder of Sitka is now starting a new brand and people started following it and customers started asking me questions and I took the opportunity over the 18 months to educate them on everything I, was, I knew about fabrics and materials and exploring factories and setting up my supply chain and took them through the whole process. And they were able to give me inputs and opinions on, on different types of products know, on insulation where they wanted down or synthetic, right. how they like pocketing. And so we created this just crowdsourcing, education, following type of process through the development of this new business before it ever launched. And what it did was created just a, a really cult following and a really educated customer base before I ever took the products to market. Right. My goal was if they know what they're buying – and that product delivers on that promise, they'll understand it when they buy it, and they'll be able to tell people about it. That's fascinating. And so, that we'd get this word-of-mouth marketing, um, which happens so fast now with social media. Yeah. And look, I mean, you look back, I look back now, and you know, we, I executed it to perfection, but at the time, I really didn't know what I was doing other than just trying to take the opportunity to educate people along the way. And th- a lot of this was prior to, you have social medias everywhere today. You have video and, you know, I see what you guys are doing on, on uh, you know, YouTube and, and obviously social yep. media. You have a big, a huge following on social media. But th- a lot of this was prior to when, you know, social media was so big. So a lot of this was, like you said, getting into forums and discussion groups. But a lot of this was also... The benefit to that, it sounds like, was you were getting you were in the process doing a lot of market research in addition to building a following uh, through a lot of these groups. I was, yeah. I mean, it was all done through my blog, and it was amazing to see the response and the questions people had. And you know, nobody had talked, nobody in the apparel industry, performance apparel industry, ever talks about their suppliers, right? Who the good ones are, who the bad ones are, what factories are great what makes a great factory, what makes a great product, what makes great design. And they were fascinated by it. And the more I shared and the more I peeled back on the data and information that, that went into my product, the more engaged they were. And it allowed them to really look at other people's products and ask questions like, why don't they tell me where their fabrics are made? Right. Why don't they tell me who cuts and sews their products? Yeah. It, and I know why, because no, there's nothing sexy to say about a Taiwanese <laughs> fabric mill, right? right? <laughs> there is no technology behind that. Yep. It's price-driven. Yep. And 
that created a smarter consumer base before I ever launched and created this following. And the only thing I didn't tell them was how I was going to go to market. They, the, the following believed that the products were going to be great. The Japanese fabrics and materials I was using for our apparel, the carbon fiber backpack frame that was the foundation of our packs sounded amazing, but who is ever going to be able to afford it? And then two months prior to launch, I said, you know what? Because of your following, because of your commitment to this brand and what I'm doing, I think we can sell it direct to you. I don't think the retailer adds enough value to justify marking up the product by 100%. Sure. And that since you've done the research, let's try to do it this way yeah. um, because of you. And that just went over huge. Yeah. And to the point where we had to segment off shopping days at launch because they're going to crash my website. There's so much pent up demand. <laughs> My understanding, you on the first day, you guys made what five hundred thousand in sales, and within ninety days yep. sold out the entire your entire initial inventory. I mean, that's amazing. We did for the first year. It was, it was. I mean, that that fear of what people told me would be the biggest challenge of this business was to get people comfortable enough to make the purchase. It was driven. It drove me to do the blog as the process evolved and fixed every, you know, fixed the concerns of how would you launch this business and how people find your product. And so, yeah, we launched the first day. We did half a million, really, because we restricted the shopping days based on blog subscription, uh, because people were threatening not to tell people about the brand because you know there's no way I had enough inventory for the pent up demand that was there for sure. the products. And yeah, we quickly sold out a product and. We have been really chasing demand with inventory since launch, and um, we're finally at a point now we have the highest inventory levels at Kuyu that we've had since since we launched the, the product line so, back in 2011. So that initial inventory was only available to – did I understand that correct? Only to subscribers, people that were subscribers, or – we yes we 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 blocked off shopping days um, based on subscription uh, blog subscribers okay. of when they signed up. So the first five hundred, let's say, I can't remember exactly the cutoff, sure. but the first five hundred blog subscribers were, had the first access to the inventory. Oh, wow! And basically, they bought everything at launch, and then uh, and you know by the end of the. The follow by the beginning of the following year, we had a nine-month waiting list for our products on most categories, and um, you know I built this business a little bit different than I built Sitka in the fact that I wasn't going to chase demand by raising money because I didn't want to have to have outside investors. So we built it to grow at a hundred, a little over 100% a year, which we've done since launch, and a financial plan that could support that. And so we've quickly become profitable by our third year and now have become bankable as a young company, which is very rare because we're, we're highly profitable. And I've had to bring in no outside investors besides my original investor, Rob, from the beginning. That is incredible. By the way, I love that marketing strategy. I mean, using that the psychology of influence, the scarcity principle where you really, you can create demand by limiting the availability. So that's really, that's fascinating. I love that. Well, well it certainly wasn't by plan, <laughs> but it did. Yeah, it sure did. I mean, at one point we had a one year waiting list for some of our products. Yep. We had sold out products like a baseball hat that we sold for fourteen ninety nine, 
selling on eBay for a hundred bucks because people wanted the product so bad. I mean, it was amazing that what scarcity amazing. did. Yeah. That's fascinating. So you've re more or less rebranded. What has been a big part of that in, uh, you know, in marketing and moving ahead, you know, with, with really like you, as you mentioned, very little outside help from investors, What's been one of the biggest strategies from a marketing standpoint that you guys have utilized? I know social media is huge. Anything outside of that that you're doing to really get the attention? Obviously, sounds like you already had kind of a loyal following or a, a, a lot of followers in the first place. But anything outside of what you've been, what you've already mentioned, that you guys have really done to get the word out? Yeah, I mean, I've built this company on word of mouth marketing, and yep. you know, we use a word around here what I call remarkable. Everything that Kuyu does has to be remarkable. However, a customer engages this company at any right. level, they need to come away with a remarkable experience. And sure. Remarkable is such a great word because it means people are going to talk about it. And so that's our focus here on how we service the customer. When, when the product arrives, they are amazed by the product and what they got for their purchase and the price, and that's remarkable, so they tell their friends about it. They're right. educated about the materials that go into it. They talk about it, and that's what's driven this brand. And we have, like our customer service team is required to write five handwritten thank you notes on our stationery every single day. We'll send out forty to 50,000 of those this year to customers. And you can't believe what that does as far as word-of-mouth marketing. People talk about that process. Yep. Um, if you come into our offices or go into the showroom, that we have here at our headquarters, it's a remarkable experience. It's different in how the furniture um, that we use and, and how we have decorated the, the showroom. It's a really rich experience, different than any other hunting retailer offers in, in, in our market or out, even outdoor retailer. And the service they get and the expertise they get is really remarkable. And that's really what we do is we – we rely on our customers to sell the brand for us. Absolutely. And it's allowed us to build the thing with a, a less than a $6 customer acquisition cost, which has never been done before for a company that has gone pure e-com direct. Well, let's talk about what is some of the unique gear? Because you guys have some really cool outdoor apparel. Uh, if you can, maybe just talk about a little bit about some of the things that you guys offer to hunting enthusiasts, outdoor enthusiasts alike. Yeah, I mean, we uh, our tagline is ultralight equipment gear, um, and so and a big reason for that is the apparel or the fabric supplier that I focused the launch of this brand around and the business model around, which is Tori out of Japan, and they have they invented and have patents around uh, yarn that can stretch and recover without elastic, and elastic is heavy, holds moisture, and wears out, and uh, you know, everybody else's stretch fabric has to have spandex or elastic in it. Right. And when I built the layering system for Kuyu versus what I built at Sitka, we took four pounds of elastic out of it. So our focus is really weight reduction because it'll let you perform better in the mountains. Yes. And so with that, with that idea and that focus, we've been able to really reduce overall kit weights from our packs to our tents, to our sleeping bags, to our paraline and have taken you know significant amount of weight out of our customers overall uh, pack weights when they go into the mountains and so it's let us you know that focus that has you know let us really push the bar um, and this business model on innovation in this marketplace we've been able to like in our pack line we introduced and i have patents on the world's only and first molded carbon fiber pack frame which only weighs 
ten and a half ounces and carries you know up to 150 pound loads. Wow. Really, really well, and and it's a modular system. It's solved. And it's the biggest innovation in backpacks since the internal frame invention back in the early 80s, and allows for a modular pack system. You can interchange your packs depending on the trip you're going to do off the f- same frame and suspension. So you can go from a day pack all the way up to a 7,200 cubic inch pack for 14 day expeditions. Oh, I love that. All on the same platform. Um, we've been able to reset the bar as far as weight in load-carrying packs. With our Ultraline, we produce the world's lightest framed weight-carrying pack line available. Our 6,000 cubic inch Ultra Pack weighs just a little over three and a half pounds, which is incredibly light. And on the apparel side, we've been able to introduce some amazing innovation as far as from base layer all the way through the uh, we call skin-to-shell system. As far as like the waterproof breathable membrane we use from Torre, it has a 50,000 MVT membrane breathability rating, which is you know two and a half times that of Gore-Tex. It stretches, it's more durable. It means the latest technology in membranes. And PrimeFlex yarn, which is the foundation for all of our products from Torre, uh, you know it stretches, recovers without elastic, which has removed weight, increases durability, and the quality and performance you get out of Torre as a Japanese mill is just unmatched. The problem is it's incredibly expensive. Oh, man. Like their, fabric, their, their fabrics will range between 16 mm-hmm. and $20 a meter, and the fabrics I was buying with Sitka to meet price points was were ranging between 4 and $8 a meter, and you absolutely get what you pay for in yeah. fabrics. Right. So that's a big, been a massive game changer, and then that just kind of carries through with everything we do as yeah. far as how we look at designs and materials and advancements and we're now leading the world in every single category that we have as a product here at Kuyu as far as the performance and quality and innovation because of this business model. We have no limitations. So from our glove program all the way through to our tent program, they're the most advanced products of those categories that have ever have ever been created. Yeah. A car you, you mentioned a carbon fiber frame on the on the backpack is that one of the few uh, I don't because I don't hear too many other being somebody that does a lot of backpacking I, I can imagine that's pretty pretty lightweight incorporating carbon fiber in there it is I mean carbon fiber is an amazing material I mean yeah. it's it's half you know it's half the weight of aluminum and twice as strong as steel yep. nobody's done it before because you can't afford to, to develop and create a, a carbon fiber frame like we have and sell it through retail. It'd be too expensive. Our yeah. packs would be a $1,200 pack at retail. So nobody had done it before, and I have patents on our on our products and our frames and design, so we're the only one in the world that's, that's producing it. Yeah. And it's getting adopted now into you know, special ops are now using it to carry their 50 caliber uh, rifles. Outdoor enthusiasts are now realizing the, all the advantages of the carbon frame and the comfort and the modularity of our pack system and... Um, you know, that kind of goes across the board for all of our products. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, not just hunters, but I mean, people that are get out and just do backpacking over the weekend or for a week at a time. I mean, I know mm-hmm. I do. That's something that I do. And I tell you, you hit on a key term with me, which is lightweight. My wife will tell you, if you say lightweight in, in regards to outdoor gear or anything like that, when you're talking about backpacking, you've hooked me because anybody that knows that's out on the trail or out for quite a few days knows that that's they're always looking for lighter performance you know lighter materials because you're carrying that for you know for the whole day sometimes 15 to 20 miles a day some of these backpackers you know that's uh they're they're looking for anything 
that's uh, got a, a weight advantage. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you look at any endur- endurance sporting activity like yeah. cycling, mm-hmm. and weight and ounces are critical. Because Absolutely. They are, and we've studied it here. We've been able to take, like when I go on a 10-day or 14-day expedition, my pack weight has gone from ranging between 60 and 70 pounds now to 40 pounds all through advancements we've done here at Kuyu. And that that is really significant when you're, like you said, doing you know between 10 and 20 miles a day. Absolutely. Well, this is fascinating. I could talk about this stuff all day. I love the, uh, I love the equipment and the gear. Uh, and we'll be posting a link back to the uh, website at uh, Kuyu. And that is KUIU.com. Uh, Jason, man, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I, we look forward to getting this out and posting links back to um, Kuyu and uh, posting. Actually, I want to post a few of the videos too on there because you guys got you have some really. It's not just product videos, but it's you know some videos of you guys out on hunts. And uh, man, I, I got sucked into some of those just watching uh, those the other day. So kudos on the uh, on the videos and and uh, the story that you guys are building around this brand. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm flattered, and uh, I really really appreciate it. Absolutely, that is Jason Harrison, and he is the uh, founder of Kuyu. And uh, it's been a pleasure. On we look forward to getting this out, Jason. Thanks again, man. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Hey, have a great week. You too.